Hello friends and welcome. I hope you all woke up this morning with medicine on your mind. I know I sure did. My name is Sonia Surya and I am so excited that you're here with me on this unique journey in exploring various medical fields and how to navigate the educational and professional pathways within them. If you're like me and are thinking of a career in healthcare or are even just interested in hearing about different careers in general, keep listening to hear from a real professional about their personal experiences and advice. There is no better way to explore the field of medicine. And of course, if you enjoy this episode and others, feel free to share this podcast with friends and family. My main goal here is to bring as much knowledge as I can to as many different people as possible. So with that, let's get right into our interview for the day. So today we're super lucky to have Apurva Girish, a general surgery resident, and her husband Sukrit Raju, a general surgeon on the show, to tell us about their lives, careers, and how they've gotten to where they are now. So our listeners already know your names, of course, but I'd like to start out by letting you both introduce yourselves further. So give us a very brief introduction of your background, what your life is like currently, and some things you enjoy doing apart from your everyday career as well. Okay, so uh, hello, Sonia, and hello, all the listeners who are interested in medical field and medical career. Uh, my name is Apurva Girish. Um, I'm a general surgery resident. Um, I did my MBBS in India and then came here uh, in order to start a residency and did that in 2016. Uh, other than residence, I mean, other than my medical uh, uh, career, um, I love traveling and that's something I do to, as a stress buster. And uh, me and my husband, Sukrit, we're also training for an Ironman. So that's the only thing I do. Great. <laughs> Hey, Sonia. Hi. Uh, hi, everybody else. Um, so I just finished my uh, residency a few uh, weeks ago in general surgery. So right now I'm uh, pretty much uh, waiting uh, for all my paperwork to be done so I can uh, start working at uh, my new job as a general surgeon. Um, That's so exciting. <laughs> yeah, fun times. Yeah. Um, uh, so right now I'm just... Uh, trying to uh, study for my boards, which is an exam we all have to take um, after our residency to be board certified in our specialty. And that's in about uh, 20 odd days or so. So I'm just trying to study a little bit for that every day. Apart from that, I try to uh, accompany my wife on her uh, trips uh, in the US and outside the US. And uh, I love reading books, but uh, for the last few years, I've just been buying a whole bunch of them, hoping to read them uh, in the future. Thank you, and um, and and yeah. also he's and also he wants to get back to his skydiving. Oh, that's right. super fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so the first question is, um, why did you choose medicine as your career, and did you have a certain moment where you knew you wanted to become a doctor in your life? Fun fact: so you understand what it is to have Indian parents. Uh, I mean, your parents <laughs> are much more. Um, uh, I think more Americanized than my parents are. <laughs> so we both grew up in India, and um, like I said, uh, we finish our like our uh, college when we are 18, 17, or 18 years old, and that is a very young age to kind of decide what your career should be. So your parents kind of make that choice as a profession. So me growing up, I always thought I wanted to end up doing some like masters in physics and end up as a physicist or mm -hmm. somewhere in NASA. That's what my plan was. Uh, but my dad 
kind of saw that I had this bone which would make me a good doctor. So he was the one who kind of pushed me towards medicine and um, I'm glad he did. Yeah. <laughs> a pretty similar story in my case as well. I, the only thing I wanted to do growing up was to join the Indian Air Force and be a combat pilot. And that's uh, pretty much all I dreamt of day in and day out until I got to the 10th grade when I uh, developed myopia and uh, realized that I could never be a combat pilot because of my uh, poor eyesight. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I thought I would uh, get into um, uh, mechanical engineering, do fluid dynamics, and go on to design uh, Formula One racing cars. Um, but when it was time to decide the actual uh, course or specialty I was going to enter, my mom uh, spoke to me and said she would love it if I actually became a doctor and at that point I pretty much didn't care about uh, what I would do because I couldn't uh, be a pilot so I said sure she said she'll buy me a bike if I uh, a motorcycle <laughs> if I go into medicine so that was the icing on the cake and that's how I ended up in uh, medical school great <laughs> well that's a good incentive <laughs> um, um, okay so on a more realistic front for our listeners what are some challenges you faced, uh, maybe financially, physically, or anything else, mm -hmm. and how were you able to overcome them? Okay, so uh, going back to the same medical school back in India, so mm -hmm. uh, the education system is very different in the US and in India. It's um, much more friendly education-wise because it's not this expensive. So right, we yeah. did not, both of us, we didn't have any student loan. Uh, for medical school. Basically, in India, you have something called a common entrance test, where about 200,000 to 300,000 students take ex uh, take this same exam. Uh, and based on the rank you get, you either get into med school or engineering or dental school. For so our state. For our state. So you mm -hmm. have to be in the top 2,000 in order to get into a med school. So both of us were lucky to be in the top 2,000, and that's how we ended in a med school. Okay. So that's that's the, the the part of the med school. So coming to the U.S., our story is like very different from more, uh, like I'm guessing uh, ninety percent of our, your audience, maybe some of them, maybe from different countries, and they can relate to this. Mm -hmm. uh, so when we came to the U.S., uh, we were coming from India, so there's a conversion rate from dollar to rupees. So we were getting our own money, what we kind of earned or saved over years. And when you come here, you're supposed to pay for all these exams, which are very expensive, and you're supposed to be in a country uh, which is new, yeah. uh, and have to take care of yourself. So you, you're not used to spending that much back home. So when you come here, it's like about 2000 or $3,000. This slowly kind of built up for us, and we ended up uh, with like what, having to spend like ten to fifteen to $20,000 together, both of us, even before we matched into residency. Mm -hmm. So that was the only financial burden we had. Uh, I'm glad we had support from like back home. So our parents supported us with this. So financially, it was not a big struggle, but our struggle is like very different. Yeah. Um, so Kreeth, do you have similar experiences to that? Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I'd also like to add that uh, we didn't um, know any people in the U.S., didn't have uh, contacts. Um, mm -hmm. We were in the first batch of our medical school. So we didn't have seniors who came to the U.S. before us and would uh, lend a helping hand to us. So we kind of had to uh, create our own path. So that was a challenge. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one thing I've learned in the U.S. is that it helps to know people. So creating contacts early on is key. Uh, we didn't have the contacts. 
we were definitely in a rough spot financially because we're at that stage where other people our age back home in India are earning uh, money as uh, physicians, if not as specialists, but as uh, general practitioners. And uh, we are burning Indian rupees, but at the rate of US dollars and yeah. uh, the conversion rate was pretty high. So that was always a bit of a challenge. Um, physically, uh, well, it wasn't that much of a challenge because mentally we were prepared for it. Even though our living situation was a bit rough, travel situation was a bit rough. We were greyhound warriors back then. Uh, we <laughs> would find the cheapest mode of transport, cheapest um, accommodation and all of that. But um, we were mentally uh, prepared and this was what we wanted to do. So. Uh, it was easy in that sense because we knew it would be hard and uh, we didn't mind the the difficulties we faced. Yeah, of course. Um, I think it's a really good piece of advice you gave about building a network and knowing people and even having a support system because obviously you two dealt with something really different coming from a different country, but I think for any young people in any part of life, it's really important to know people who can support you mm-hmm. um, getting where you want to go. So yeah, thank absolutely. you for that. And I think Apurva kind of uh, fast forward everything or give you the very uh, broad very overview brief. of uh, all the challenges we faced. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing uh, I would like to mention that we did was um, since we didn't know anybody, we would get on websites. Uh, we would uh, look at who are the doctors or physicians working in that hospital, what are their specialties, what are their training, what is their training background, what papers they've published, and then try to get their contact information. Um, maybe even looking at the papers they've published, they were as first authors, going to PubMed, and then getting that email through those papers, and then sending an email directly, like personalizing mm-hmm. an email, expressing our interest in uh, coming to shadow them, or work with them, or do research with them. Um, and that was uh, pretty key uh, for us to uh, actually get in touch with quite a few people. Yeah, yeah. and that's basically how we landed our first uh, uh, jobs as research fellows. Okay. Yeah, that's really cool. It's great advice. Um, Okay, so the next question is really specific to you two. Um, I just wanted to know, what have you noticed so far about being married as two doctors together? Um, What's hard about that? What do you think is super fun about that or different from if you were married to someone of a different profession? Uh, I actually think it's... Uh, for me personally, it's been uh, it's been very easy and a fun experience. I mean, fun thing being married to a doctor because mm-hmm. uh, the thing this is the thing. Um, if I were not a doctor and I was just some other profession, and I have this husband who's a surgeon, who I don't see, let's say three out of seven days, yeah, I'll be frustrated. And because I'm in the same profession doing the exact same thing, uh, I just kind of understand where that's coming from, what's going on, and. You know, it's easy to yeah. give them the space. I mean, I cannot, I, I won't be that person when he comes back home tired, be like, oh, you know what, I want to go out because I haven't seen you in two days. I kind of understand, yes, you need to sleep and that's important. And the same with him. So he kind of gets it where and like why I'm having a bad day or my, I'm so stressed, what's going on. So it's actually nice to be married to this, this guy in the same profession. Um, the only downside to that is because both of us are so busy Mm-hmm. It's just like there's no time for uh, a personal life till you kind of make time for it, and that's hard. Yeah. Yeah, Sukrit, did you have anything to add to that? Yeah, so uh, we have actually been together since uh, medical school itself. Um, 
so we didn't meet during residency or so so mm-hmm. the hardest thing for me during medical school was i would do something cool and then i'd come and tell her hey i did this today and she's like ah so what i did that yesterday <laughs> so, <laughs> so that was uh, a challenge but it was nice to have uh, yeah it was nice to have someone um, who had the same interest to both of us really enjoyed surgery loved surgery so if we spent more time at the hospital doing this we totally got it because we knew why we were doing it it's almost like you're in love with two people one with uh, uh surgery and one with your uh, significant other yeah. um so that was nice the other thing was uh, when we we were very lucky to get a research spot in the same city uh in the same university in the same university so we got to spend um, that research portion of our career together otherwise uh, that would have been uh, sometime Oh yes, you would have spent a part and then yeah. when we did match into residencies she was up in um, Hartford in Connecticut for 2 years yeah I was uh, down in New Orleans in uh, Louisiana so there's a time zone difference um the other issue with uh, uh being in a relationship with someone in uh, a training program at the same time is that whenever she was on call I was not on call and when I was on call mm-hmm. she was not on call. well so basically our um in residency the num- the time off you get is very limited yeah um you get about uh 3 weeks total yeah 3 weeks a year of vacation time and in a month you get about 2 weekends off so if she was on call um the weekend i was off it wouldn't make sense for me to fly up to Connecticut because i would hardly see her because when you're on call you're working you're working all the time So that's a bit of a challenge. So I I don't think I may have gone up to Connecticut just once or twice in the 2 years uh, she was there. So that's something you need to consider. Yeah, that's because I like New Orleans. <laughs> oh yeah, well, she did come down here. <laughs> um but the time you get to spend together is very limited. So that's something you have to consider um uh in planning where you get your residency. So um something to think about is uh the nice thing for a lot of american graduates uh, who graduate from uh, medical schools in the us is uh they get a couples match uh, what that means is when you're deciding where to go for your residency training um you rank the places that you would like to go to um all across the country and your significant other does the same as well and the matching system tries to uh, put you both in the it's not in the same hospital mm-hmm. but in the same city Yeah, that's so really that's cool. A, yeah, that's a major advantage, uh, but that was not open to us as international graduates where we are uh we don't have that much of a choice in um selecting selecting where we get to go. Mhm. Yeah. But that is an option for people who are in med school or are getting into residencies to train in the same place. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Um okay so for my next question I know we talked about how you got into medicine mm-hmm. but how did you get into general surgery specifically and what were some other lines of medicine that you considered Okay uh so both of us have been interested in surgery so Sukrit actually wanted to get into neurosurgery and my uh dream has always been to uh is to be a pediatric cardiac surgeon So for me the thing was I had to do general surgery before I go ahead do cardiac cardiac mm-hmm. surgery and then pediatric surgery. Um so that 
so surgery in general was my interest from the very beginning from maybe my second year of my med school mm -hmm. um, and uh, for an international medical graduate to come to the US and match into surgery is actually very difficult because a lot of international students who come to the US either select medicine, pediatrics, psychiatry, these are the most common specialties they, they choose because there are more number of spots and it's, it's relatively easier to get. Uh, whereas surgery, it's, um, it's one of the difficult uh, residencies to get into for an international medical graduate. So before we got in, we had to do, we did two years of research in order to build contacts, get some research work out, publish papers. So we did that for two years, made some good contacts, and that's actually what helped us to get into uh, our residency. And before this, obviously, we had worked uh, hard for our USMD scores. Mm -hmm. So that was taken care of, but we needed those contacts. So that's what the two years of uh, research helped us do. Um, so that's how we ended in surgery. I'm sure Sukit can add more to that. Yeah, well, since both of us uh, didn't um, have this notion that we wanted to be doctors uh, early on, um, we approached medical school with a pretty open mind. Yeah. Uh, and we found everything really interesting. And I think that was key because I think a lot of times people start doing things thinking, okay, this is the exact thing that I'm going to do. And then they try to, they tend to ignore or not pay as much attention to, to other things that could possibly be much more interesting or fun for them. Um, so from that standpoint, from the first year of med school itself, um, uh, we were just soaking everything in. And um, I mentioned earlier that uh, we were in a med school where we were the first batch. What that means is... Uh, there were no residents, there were no um, people who had completed med school mm. working in the hospital as us. So that opened up a whole lot of opportunities for us where if we were interested, we would get to do a whole lot more. Yeah. Yep. Um, and uh, uh, basically we went through each specialty um, without knowing if that's what we would end up in and that's what led us to do a lot of things. And early, it was very early on, right in our second year of med school, that um, we realized we had a love for surgery. Mm -hmm. So we would spend a lot of time um, after hours uh, working with uh, the surgery department, like in the emergency room or in the operating room, doing things, learning skills. Um, and I think it was pretty much from then Apurva knew that it was uh, surgery or nothing else for her. Um, I unfortunately was. Um, fascinated by everything. There was a point of time where I considered becoming a neurologist, becoming a uh, internal medicine physician, because I was like, oh, wow, this is fun. Yeah. This is fun. This is nice. <laughs> but that's the beauty of medicine, that everything is interesting. And then um, you will soon find something that appeals to you, either to your personality or to what you want to do in your uh, life. And you get a pick from a broad array of uh, specialties that this is what um, I want to do. And then... Uh, uh, we ultimately ended up uh, pursuing general surgery. Yeah, so, so what Sukrit said is a very important thing. When you get into medical school, it is very, very, very crucial for you to have an open mind because you may think you're good at one particular thing and that may be your dream, but when you get into med school and you see what other opportunities are there for you, that's when you realize, oh, this is much better. Mm -hmm. Maybe I'm better at this. And you maybe end up being one of the best doctors in that particular field. Yeah. And uh, and I'd like to add that there's no such thing as uh, this specialty is better than that specialty uh, exactly, or yeah. this is superior or inferior. Because if you're sick, 
you would want to go to the best doctor in that specialty so the key thing is to be the best in what you are doing and not go behind uh, a specialty a specialty yes okay. exactly yeah. that's great advice thank you <laughs> um okay so this one is i think one of the most important because obviously with covid-19 happening there are way less or close to no shadowing opportunities for people and so could you just describe a day in your life to me from the beginning to the end so what you do at work and outside of work and and how that plays into your life i will let sukrit answer this question because he's had more experience with this okay. than i have yeah. so apurva can Well, why don't you let Apurva describe her life as an intern and then I can give you the perspective of a chief president. Oh yeah, so yeah, that'll be good. So uh, so even before I go to that, this is the advice I got from uh, one of my seniors before I started. I was like, "Hey, look, I'm going to be starting as a surgery resident. How how can I be the best at what I do?" Mm-hmm. And this is what this person told me. As long as you're the first person to be in the hospital and the last person to leave then you're doing you're doing something right so that means our rounds in like every morning starts at 6 so for me to be ready for the rounds that means when i say rounds it's like we have 20 patients on the floor so we're supposed to go check these 20 people mm-hmm. and have a plan ready for the, uh, those guys like are, are we changing the medication are we going to discharge them uh do they need another surgery do, what do they need so we have to kind of decide everything for these 20 people yeah and this has to be done before 7 o'clock in the morning because the first case uh first or uh operating case is at 7 in the morning so in order to do that if we have 20 people then the entire uh your attending and your co-residents everyone's there in the hospital by 5 o'clock that means if i want to be the best at what i'm doing i'm in the hospital at 3:15 yeah and why is that because before everybody comes i have to make sure that i've kind of gone through all these patients see what's there what's not there see what needs to be added so i do that and then we round with the, uh, we round with all the other residents we have our plans then we go do our surgeries we come back and in between cases uh we have to make sure that whatever plans we had for these uh patients have been executed if not i go and i do it myself So you do that and you get back to the operating room. So you have like maybe two or three elective cases. And if you're on a trauma rotation, you have these traumas coming in because it doesn't wait for you to be done with your surgery. So they keep coming in. So they may have to go to the OR or you have to take care of them. So basically my day would start at 3.15 in the morning and you never know when it ends because yeah. sometimes it can end at 5 p.m. because that's when the night team is coming in and you sign out and you can go home. But if you're stuck in the OR doing something, then you could come out only by 8 o'clock. Mm. And when you leave the hospital, you have to make sure that you're not missing anything when it comes to your work. So you have to make sure all the things that was done this morning have taken care of and be ready for the next day. and then the day repeats. Yeah. So this is a general day <laughs> in the surgery yeah in any resident's life yeah. and more so for a surgeon's life because that's what I'm doing. And uh I'd just like to point out that it may sound a bit extreme but uh it is definitely a temporary portion in your career. General <laughs> surgery is 5 uh, years long um at a minimum and it, the work hours get way better with time. as an intern you're at the bottom of the totem pole you're yeah. the one responsible for gathering all the basic uh, information so she may 
have had to go in at 315 as an intern in her program. I never had to because each uh, residency program, program is, is structured different. differently. Um, I probably would go in at 530. 430. Or so. As an intern? <laughs> yeah, well, well, the thing is, the hours may sound long, but uh, we had so much fun. We loved what we were doing that it doesn't seem like work. Exactly. So yeah. that's my point. So it's like for someone who's not used to this, they're like, oh my God, this is crazy. Why would anybody want to do that? But when this is what you love, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, when we start operating, um, that's the only thing we're focused on. The outside world ceases to matter. Um, if you're hungry, sleep deprived, thirsty, you need to pee, basically all those things don't affect you. And uh, time just flies. And then once you're done with the surgery, you look up at the clock and you're like, oh, it's two o'clock already or oh it's three o'clock already i haven't eaten anything <laughs> but then it's it, it's so much fun or and so uh, mentally involving that um, all these other things don't matter as much and her perspective was from that of a lowly intern um having completed a general surgery residency as a chief <laughs> resident um, in your fifth year of residency, your life is so much better. I don't need to wake up that early. <laughs> I can just stroll into the hospital. The interns and the other junior residents on the team will have a list printed for me. It'll have all the numbers and vitals. And I just sit there and have them present. I ask questions, try to teach uh, some people. And then uh, when that's done, we go see people. Uh, we go see patients, make our rounds. And then it's off to the operating room because that's the most fun for us. And I get to operate all day while uh, the junior residents are uh, getting patients discharged, <laughs> getting changing dressings, doing this, doing that. And uh, they come in and check in with me about new consoles they've received and I go see them in between cases. And then I just try to keep operating all the time. So that's a whole lot of fun. So, so that's the entire spectrum. It's five years, right? So you have to start off at the very bottom. You kind of have to learn everything. The only way you can learn everything is by diving into the ocean. Mm -hmm. That's the only way you do it because there is there's no swimming pool training. You just need to jump in, you need to figure out and that's what you do during your intern year. And the beauty of this is as an intern, uh, you think you're doing a lot of work, but you're, you're like not responsible for anything that's happening because mm -hmm. you just, you're like this messenger taking all the data that you have to the seniors. Mm -hmm. So it's actually an easy job. It's like less stressful. But as you climb the ladder, you have to learn more. You have to be more detail oriented. So those who create says that, oh, as a chief resident, I used to go, I, you know, I used to stroll in at six in the morning. But he will be more stressed about all his patients because at this point, he is responsible for these patients right. because the attending is going to hold him charge for whatever is going on because otherwise the attending would be blamed for whatever happens. So it's the chief resident's job to make sure that his team is performing the way it is performing. So if he's not doing a good job, that means the entire ladder is just going to fall apart. Yeah. So as, a, as an intern, it's too much work, but less stress. As a chief, it may look like it's less work, but it's way more stress. And that's what you have to learn, irrespective of what specialty it is. And that's what you learn, because once you are out in uh, the world practicing on your own, you have nobody to count on. You have no one shielding you. So that's what you learn. Yeah. yeah I'd like to jump in and say that they do tell us that as you progress in your uh, training, it doesn't become easier. It actually becomes harder, but you just get better at managing everything. You get better with managing your time, with uh, managing the stress and managing everything else. So 
uh, that's what comes into play and then i was i knew that this conversation would go along this line so i was also going to say that there's a lot of redundancy uh, in the training system um so yes we depend on the intern to gather all the data the mid level is going to do the same stuff as the intern to make sure that the intern's not making a mistake mm, yeah and it's my responsibility as a chief to make sure that the whole team is giving me the proper data so i, I actually would have done the same data gathering by myself though i show turn up later for rounds as if i just woke up but i actually would have spent some time at home checking the chart reading up on the patients looking up all the imaging so when i show up i can be the all knowing chief who's like so why didn't you tell me about this number or this lab value or this report and be like oh man that guy is he uh, came in late but he knows everything <laughs> so it it's yeah. for, it's like for a better comparison it's like driving the car like the first day when you started driving you were not very confident about your driving skills so maybe uh for a school which is 10 minutes away you left half an hour early mm-hmm. right so but let's say the last like let's say 10 15 or no let's say like maybe 3 months into driving for a distance that 10 minutes away you leave 8 minutes yeah before the school bell rings so that's how it is you you're getting better at it it just becomes like second nature yeah that makes and, sense and there are different rotations at least where i trained where everywhere yeah um you're just by yourself working with the attendings you have no junior residents so that makes things significantly easier so it's actually easier if it's just you because you go in you get the numbers you check all the vitals check the patient on the chart go and see the patients and then just tell the attending hey this is what happened this is what i'm doing this is what we're going to do and uh, you go operate with the attending whereas if uh, you're working in a rotation where there's this big team you have to make sure that the interns are doing their job right the mid levels are doing it and that you're actually teaching them something and then you throw med students into the mix you actually have to find some time for them to present patients in a detailed manner so it's actually a whole lot more work um working with uh, a bigger team and a part of it is actually part of the training um uh, of yourself and uh, to teach other people and as a junior resident to learn from uh, someone who has more experience than you so there are two things that i want everybody who's listening to uh, this podcast to remember uh when i was going to start my intern year during the orientation um my program director came and this is what he told and this makes sense not just for surgical residency but for any residency or anything in the medical field your residency is like a team sport you cannot be a single winner the only the team can win so when you're doing something you're doing for the team mm-hmm. when you're and when you're taking care of the patient the patient is on your team you're supposed to take care of him so everybody needs to be on the same page yeah so the most important quality for any resident or any doctor or any human for that matter is to be honest when you don't know something you say i don't know when you have not done something you say sorry i didn't do it because it's easier to fix it that way because when you lie what happens is everybody's like oh okay uh, so it was done it was not done it there's a lot, whole lot of confusion mm-hmm. so the most important qualities is treat this like a team sport you're a part of the team you're not alone be honest be truthful yeah be be honest mm-hmm. and just hard work hard work so that's number one and there was something else that i wanted to tell it kind of slipped my mind maybe i'll remember it later and okay. i can just put the <laughs> yeah, yeah if you remember gonna, it you can i'm yeah. going to i'm going to give a shout out to jonathan riley he's actually a neurosurgeon now at uh, 
uh, University of Buffalo. He's a functional neurosurgeon. I hope uh, you get to interview him uh, one day. His story is uh, he went, uh, he basically, is, uh, I would say he's a self-made man, but no one's self-made. And that's something that we kind of realized early in our process too, mm -hmm. um, that we thought we were doing everything, but we actually have so many people to be thankful for. Uh, who helped us to get to where we are, but I'm digressing now. Uh, what John Riley had told me um, when I asked him for advice when I was starting residency was uh, at the end of a long day, um, you're tired and then you have something to do and there's going to be two ways to do it, the easy way and the hard way. And you will be so tempted to just do it the easy way, get done and go home, but that's the wrong thing to do. Do, do it the hard way. Because if, if something is hard, then that's probably the right way to do it. Um, this is going to make a whole lot more sense when you're actually in residency um, that doing the thing which may take more time which may need more attention is actually the right thing to do and it's actually worth the time you'll have to do and you'll have to find it in yourself to kind of push through get it done and then go home yeah okay um, and so this this might be my second to last or my last question um, I think it's extremely important so if you could pick out one thing, if you were able to go back in time and in your career and change something you did, um, is there anything that you would do differently and why? Sukrit. Well, I think uh, your mistakes teach you and they make you the person you are. Mm -hmm. um, uh, would I be doing something else at this point of time in my life? If I was flying a jet plane in the Indian Air Force, sure. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, there's nothing I can do to change that. Um, time and experience teaches you a whole lot of things but the only way you get that is by investing the time and experience and there's frankly no other way around it um, I would not go back and change things uh, the way I have done things but would I have advice to other people who may be in a similar situation like me yes I could tell them that hey this is what I did don't do that mm -hmm. um, so that's that's the only thing I would say yeah. yeah yeah there is nothing that i would like to change uh, actually so this is the thing it's um it's like as long as you're trying to seize all the opportunities that's coming your way you're yeah. not doing anything wrong it may work out of like 10 times it may work five times it may not work five times but that's okay but that's actually leading to the path that you want to be on so there's there's like no regret and in this field or in any field there's like no regret yeah. some decisions work in your favor some don't so it's okay it's like i the only thing is pondering upon that thing which didn't work that's the only bad thing that you can do to yourself if you're not doing that you're okay yeah well, oh, that's and I'd, yeah i'd go back and tell myself to exercise more and eat less candy <laughs> oh, oh yeah 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 definitely <laughs> <laughs> so the other thing with residency is because there are uh, so uh, like at least once a week you have free food and I always keep joking I hope free food came with free calories so healthy eating habits is something the surgeons we residents in general don't do because like like we explained it's so hectic yeah you just go and it's like yeah you know what I'm gonna just get some onion rings and a burger or a slice of pizza so this becomes your meal every day and that's not good because Remember, you're not living for like 40 years. You're living for 80 years or if you take care of yourself, you need to be healthy for those 80 years. Yeah. So the most important thing for anybody, medical student, resident, please, please take time for yourself. Go exercise. Yeah. yeah. That's something we ignored. Um, we put our 
education and our training um, at the forefront and uh, kind of sacrificed other things um, but uh, uh, we did kind of do a course correction on that and we have uh, tried to do things like as Apurva mentioned early on we're now training for a triathlon um, and uh, we're hoping that all the healthy habits we cultivate now will carry on later because we definitely ignored quite a bit uh, during med school and during uh, the early years of our residency. Yeah. Because, re yeah, remember this, uh, what happens is no matter how much you try to hold on to your passion, like I said, I love traveling. So no matter how much you want to do all those things, uh, the training itself is so time consuming. You don't have uh, as much time as you want to kind of do, uh, do other things. So you are putting that on a back burner. In your head, you're like, you know what? five more years of this and then I can take that trip mm -hmm. ten more years of this and I can do this so if you're not healthy you can never go to Patagonia and hike when right. you're 50 years old so it's more very very it's actually very important to keep yourself uh, healthy and fit so you can do all those things you you know you should be like 50 is the new 40 or 50 is the new 30 because that's when your peak of life is mm -hmm. yeah Okay, well, I think um, originally I was going to ask for the biggest piece of advice you could give listeners. And if you two have something you want to say, you can. But I think that you've given so much great advice in the past 35 minutes. Um, so unless you two have something to add, I just want to thank you for taking time out of your very busy schedules to come and do this with me. I really appreciate it. And I think our listeners are going to learn a lot. Yes, oh yeah, there's, there's something I would like to add. Uh, very early on when Apura was telling our story, um, like I said, it was a very uh, brief overview. Uh, people told us we will not get into surgery, we will never be surgeons in the US. Um, you shouldn't even bother wasting uh, your time and your money trying this. Mm -hmm. um, so all through your life there will be people telling you you can't do this, you can't do that. But uh, uh, my advice is if you want something, you really love something, go for it, no matter what other people tell you, and uh, it may happen. Yeah. And, and, and the, uh, the flip side of it, if it doesn't happen, it's not a bad thing. Yeah, true. Right? You need to remember that because you will plan for success, you know how to work towards that, but when it doesn't work, that's when you know, things start going wrong yeah. and that's what you need to concentrate on you if you love something go behind it try your best to do it if it doesn't look there is always a plan b and it's a good option too yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> i tell her that uh, the amount of time um, and energy and everything we have invested in this process uh, we could have had two very successful startup companies uh, by this point <laughs> in our life as opposed to me starting my first real job at the age of 32 or so yeah. <laughs> But it's, it's totally worth it. Um, there's something about being in the hospital, being in the operating room that, can't, that you can't find anywhere else. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> that's, so, that's so inspiring for people, you know, when they're looking at medicine because even for me, because I'm looking at medicine, it can definitely seem so overwhelming. But what people keep telling me too is like, if I love it, then I should just do it. And, it, and it'll seem less crazy, you know, once you're doing it and you like it so much. So, yes. yeah, I really appreciate all the advice you two had. And the other thing is, it's so this is the thing, I'm not a big believer of a 10-year plan. Mm -hmm. uh, I like the concept of a 10-year plan. I think it's nice to, you know, uh, dream and think about what the future holds and how you want certain things to look. But I am that kind of a person who takes one step at a time because that's how I can remain focused. Mm. 
if this yeah. is my challenge for today that's all i'm going to concentrate on yes there's a bigger picture and i love to think about it but i don't invest a lot of time doing that uh it may work for some people and if someone's like me yes it will definitely work for you if not you sh- you should have a 10 year plan yeah no that makes a lot of sense in residency the the days are long or the days drag but the years fly <laughs> yes okay well thank you thank you so much Wasn't it just so wonderful to hear from such an incredible professional? I truly hope you were able to think medicine with me today. Again, my name is Sonia Surya and I'm from Portland, Oregon in the United States. I'm always open to hearing new ideas that I can try out. If you have ideas for me, want to learn something more, or just want to send me your thoughts, click the voice message button on my profile at anchor.fm/thinkmedicine or send it directly through the link anchor.fm slash thinkmedicine slash message. I'd love to hear from you all directly, and I'm open to expanding the type of content I offer. If you enjoyed this episode, share this podcast with someone who you think would love it as well. Thank you for being here today, and I'll talk to you again on the next episode of Think Medicine with Sonia.